So glad you chose to join us today as we continue our series of scripture talks called Sacred Reflections. Uh, but just before we uh, step into our teaching theme together this morning, I did want to encourage you as we make our way through this uh, third wave of COVID that you would uh, be committed to taking good care of yourself and others. Uh, there's nothing quite like receiving a text message or an email or a uh, a phone call from somebody who is uh, expressing care and concern. So um, let's uh, both look after ourselves and uh, look out for, uh, for one another. We look forward to the day, hopefully in the not too distant future, when we can uh, gather in person again. So stay tuned for updates as we move along. I also wanted to provide an update for you that our church has a generous and gracious sabbatical policy for the lead pastor. Every seven years, um, I get an opportunity or the lead pastor in the future gets an opportunity to have an extended break in the summer uh, for purposes of study and renewal. And uh, we updated our membership back in early March that um, effective uh, May the 17th through to August the 16th. I'll have a chance to experience a sabbatical break. And again, it's for purposes of study and renewal. And uh, we've invited Dr. Van Johnson to come and to um, give four scripture talks early in the sabbatical season. And then our teaching pastors, uh, Kristen, Gary, and Al are going to um, lead through a wonderful um, a series of scripture talks out of uh, Hebrews chapter 11. And uh, so you are in very good hands during the summer months. And um, so I will, uh, again, keep you updated as we move along, but uh, effective May 17 to August 16, I'll be away for that extended break um, during the sabbatical season. So today we're continuing this series of scripture talks, Sacred Reflections. If you're new to us, we've been working through the um, Sermon on the Mount found in Matthew's Gospel, chapters 5 through 7. And we've been walking, not running. We've been taking our time, chapter after chapter, verse after verse. And we've just been exploring a deeper dive into the teaching of Jesus that has so many implications for our lives in the 21st century. And um, so Jesus is inviting us to consider what life in the kingdom of God is all about. And uh, he is um, teaching a better way than the religious leaders of his day. And uh, there's an approach to right living that uh, goes after the... Um, interior dimension of the human heart. And uh, it does have significant implications for all aspects of our lives, but it starts on the inside. Again, the kingdom of God is an inside job that has massive implications for the world around us. And um, so this morning, we're going to talk about the power of influence. We are creatures who are influenced and who influence. And uh, Jesus waves a cautionary flag for us as we look at the next portion of scripture. And um, there's a principle in the Bible that uh, promotes this idea of like begets like. In other words, we produce after our own kind. An apple tree produces an apple seed, which produces another apple tree. And so there is a sense in which we uh, become um, like those we spend time with and those that we um, hold in high esteem. And in fact, scripture teaches that the seed of the gospel or the seed of the spirit literally lives in everyone who's put their saving faith in Jesus. And so we are to grow to resemble his character. And so those of us who have made the good profession to follow Jesus, and uh, we should begin to resemble his character as we make our way through life. And again, this is the principle of like begets like because the seed of Christ is in us. 
So the passage to ponder that we've been taking with us over the last number of months is taken from, again, Matthew's gospel right at the front end of the Sermon on the Mount, chapter 5, verse 20. It goes like this. He says, for I tell you, these are the words of Jesus, for I tell you that unless your righteousness, your approach to right living, unless it surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, these are the religious leaders of Jesus' day, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. And so uh, the gateway into the kingdom of God is an inside job, and it's a work of the Spirit. And um, it is very different than checking the boxes or going through the motions or keeping the letter of the law. It's about a recovery of the Spirit of the law or of the commandment. And it's actually giving our full devotion um, an affection of the heart to God. And so this is why, again, the greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. This is the best approach to right living. And this is what the kingdom of God is all about. This is what the Sermon on the Mount is all about. If you're with us last week, Pastor Kristen Malcolm gave a great talk on um, being people of the narrow way or being narrow way people. And uh, now Jesus, with the next block of teaching, um, again, cautions us that there are uh, people who sometimes... Um, whether they be well-intentioned or not, uh, they invite us off the narrow way. And it's like they switch the brands from the narrow way to the broad way. And uh, they give a whole different categorical description of what the narrow way looks like or the path that God has called us uh, to walk along should look like. So um, this is the next passage following what we looked at last week. And it's taken from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 7, beginning at verse 15. We're going to take a look at two texts today, and they're both back-to-back. And uh, we'll start with the first one, and then we'll go to the second, and then we'll take a look at some early uh, first century church dynamics and apply them to our 21st century life. So uh, here we are, verse 15 of Matthew's Gospel, chapter 7. Beware, Jesus says. Uh, Really, in the original language, uh, pay attention. Pay careful attention. He says, beware of false prophets, uh, these imposters or um, these pretenders. Um, These false prophets or false teachers, they come disguised as harmless sheep, but are really vicious wolves. He says, you can identify them by their fruit, that is, by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. There is a moral corruption about the fruit that hangs on the branches of these false prophets and false teachers. He says, a good tree cannot produce bad fruit and a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. Um, The root determines the fruit, according to Jesus. And then he goes on and says, so every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down. It's rather worthless, Jesus says, and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. And so we read earlier in the Sermon on the Mount that we are not to judge, we are not to censor or to condemn others. But that doesn't mean that we lock away our critical faculties or our capacity to discern. In fact, Jesus goes the other way and says, we ought to be discerning and be on the lookout for the fruit that hangs on the branches of other people's lives. And so um, I've got three thoughts for you this morning that come from this passage. And the first one is this, Jesus cautions us um, because we are creatures of influence who can be easily influenced. And... um, So Jesus introduces us to two sets of metaphors. The first pair are sheep and wolves, and uh, wolves don't look out for the sheep. By instinct, they actually deem the sheep food. 
and they don't have the best interest of the sheep in mind at all. And that's why the Good Shepherd found in Psalm 23, which is a commonly known passage, often referenced at funerals or celebrations of life, goes something like this. The, the psalmist writes, um, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And so the shepherd carries a, um, a shepherd's staff to lift the sheep that's fallen into the ditch and also carries a rod, a shorter, thick club, so to speak. And that's not to beat the sheep, but it's to protect the sheep from its enemies, from those that threaten its well-being. And so the sheep versus wolves metaphor, uh, one is harmless and one is vicious. And the wolf literally threatens the welfare and the well-being of the sheep. And, and Jesus draws a correlation to that metaphor. And he says, there are false prophets, people who speak on behalf of God, or false teachers teaching the ways of God. And they actually have reduced you to food. Um, they are not looking out for your best interest. They are vicious and they threaten your welfare and well-being. And so it really does matter who we listen to and who we pay attention to especially in the realm of those who teach theology or those who are inviting us into a process of spiritual formation. Um, because if we gain or um, begin to accumulate some faulty ideas or distorted ideas about God, it can actually have um, a significant impact on the quality of our lives. A distorted idea about God and what he expects of us can mess with your life and can lead us down the wrong path. And so um, we have this sheep versus wolves, harmless versus vicious metaphor. And then we have a good tree versus a bad tree. One is nutritious, it has good fruit. The other is rotten fruit. And uh, it's important to watch what we eat. In fact, uh, nutritionists these days are getting the attention of uh, consumers that we are what we eat. And there's a lot of truth to that. And actually I'm learning um, actually, this past week, I, I listened to a podcast that helped me understand that actually what we eat and what we drink, including a lot of water, is really good for us, not just biologically, but even for our mental health. And so it really does matter what we eat. And, and Jesus is cautioning us again. Um, we have a wolf that wants to reduce the sheep to a meal. And we have Jesus saying, um, you know, the fruit and the root are connected, and we want to make sure that we're eating nutritious food and, and not... Um, rotten fruit. So um, the fruit and the root are always connected. So Jesus cautions his first century disciple friends with his spirit and word, we are being cautioned today. And this is a universal principle taken from scripture. Proverbs 13 verse 20 says, walk with the wise and grow wise and a companion of fools suffers harm. And so we grow to resemble the people we spend quality time with. Um, and that can be incredibly life enhancing or it can be unfortunately life debilitating. And so we need to be incredibly selective on who we spend most of our time with and who we hold in high esteem. And uh, this principle is huge in life. Um, and it's also important in the church leadership domain. Um, there were legalistic influencers back in the first century. And Paul writes to the Galatian church and says, be very, very careful who you listen to because there are certain kind of leadership perspectives or certain kinds of distorted teaching that are going to get in the way of your progress on the narrow way of the gospel. So Paul writes in Galatians chapter five, here's a first century example, beginning at verse seven. He says, you were running the race so well, you were making progress down the narrow way. And then he asks the question, he says, who has held you back from following the truth? It certainly isn't God, for he is the one who called you to freedom. 
This false teaching, he says, is like a little bit of yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. I am trusting the Lord to keep you from believing false teachings. God will judge that person, whoever he is, who has been confusing you. So back in that first century church, there was this idea that Jesus plus some rule keeping, plus some religious observances equals salvation. But Paul was writing and says, it's grace alone. It's faith in Jesus and nothing else that actually equals your salvation. And so these legalistic um, leaders and voices in the New Testament, Paul was saying, there is no place for legalism within the gospel of grace. And then Paul writes to Timothy, who was a pastor in the first century, and he cautions him about cancerous teaching, just like the yeast that works through a whole batch of dough. Uh, Paul says there is like a, um, a gangrene or a cancer. Um, it's a metaphor for bad teaching or distorted teaching. And it can spread. And in this case, it was just straight up bad teaching that threatened um, to lead people off the good, trusted, ancient, narrow pathway of God. And so here's, here's Paul writing to Timothy. He says, avoid worthless, foolish talk that only leads to more godless behavior because behavior matters too. This kind of talk spreads like cancer. There's the metaphor. As in the case of Hymenaeus and Philetus, they have left the path of truth. They've left the narrow way, claiming that the resurrection of the dead has already occurred. In this way, they have turned some people away from the faith. They've redirected them off of the narrow way of Jesus. And so just straight up bad doctrine or bad teaching was problematic in the first century. And so the spirit and the word speak to us today too, to say we should be very discerning in the teaching that we listen to and those who speak on behalf of God. So we are creatures of influence who can be easily influenced. Secondly, we need to value character over charisma and substance over style. Um, Jesus turns from false prophets now to uh, false professors. And uh, we don't mean in the realm of higher learning, but those who profess to follow Jesus. But there is a lack of integration in their lives. There's a lack of alignment. There's a lack of progress along the narrow way for them personally. And so style is always secondary. Substance is always primary. Now, style and image have always appealed to humans. Um, God spoke through the prophet Samuel back in the Older Testament, and uh, Samuel was anointing the successor to Saul, and Eliab was the firstborn of the sons of Jesse, and uh, it seemed natural to Samuel to anoint him rather than the youngest, which was David, who was out tending sheep. And God speaks to Samuel, and he says, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. So humans have always elevated image over substance. And we live in a social media culture now where there are influencers and much of their influence has a lot to do with style and uh, maybe not so much to do with substance, even though that's not a one-to-one -one equation. Sometimes style and substance can come together nicely. Um, you can have style and substance, but sometimes you can have style without substance. And um, so we want to be very careful. Charisma is not a bad thing, but charisma without character can get us into a lot of trouble. Charisma might get you a first date, but without character, probably to a discerning person, they'll refuse the second invitation. Um, and so um, Jesus, again, the second passage, this is the very next breath of Jesus. After he says, be careful about false prophets or false teachers, 
he goes on and says this, and this is a very sobering passage. And maybe for some, there's been a measure of false guilt um, uh, experienced when reading this text. And we'll kind of unpack it in just a moment. But here's what Jesus continues to teach. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So it has to do with a profession and actions coming together. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? If you're new to the Bible, this is the Bible's way of saying this. Was there not a demonstration of God's power, supernatural power that came off of this person's life and ministry? And yet there seemed to be a, a gap between the profession and the action. Um, we can call Jesus Lord, but if we don't act like he is, Jesus says that's problematic. This is the end of the passage. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. There was not an intimate relational knowledge uh, between Jesus and the person. And then he says, away from me, you evildoers. We can underline that last, uh, last word. This is the crux of Jesus' teaching. He's actually saying the actions of this person's life, not missteps on occasion, characteristically, um, the missteps, uh, these, these, these actions characterize their character. And uh, I like what John Stott says about these individuals that Jesus is waving a cautionary flag around. Their profession and intellectual knowledge are admirable. They get it right, uh, but it's not enough. They are polite people. They say, Lord, they're orthodox. They understand that Jesus is truly the Lord. They're fervent. They repeat it twice. Uh, they're public with their profession and they are spectacular with their ministry. There are signs and wonders following their ministry. But something is missing, John Stott says. The gospel has not been integrated into their lives. So we need to value character over charisma and substance over style. And we'll finish with this last thought and then a last passage and a few quick take-homes. Number three, we need to be careful to keep the teaching and the mission of Jesus at the very center. I know that seems like elementary to some of us who've been following Jesus a long time, but we are creatures who are prone to drift. Um, whole organizations and churches can drift. They call it mission drift. We move away from what matters most. And even in our own personal lives, we can actually move Jesus to the edges rather than keeping him at the center. And one of the biggest challenges for human beings who have decided to follow Jesus is to truly retain Jesus at the center because so many things want to crowd him out and push him to the margins. And um, so listen to this passage. Paul uh, gives a very sobering um, reminder to the first century Christians. And he, he's using another metaphor. As you read the Bible, you will quickly learn that there are so many metaphors used along the way or storytelling or analogies, Jesus telling parables. He tries to bring spiritual realities to light and to be understandable by using earthly illustrations or principles or just things that are in our uh, purview, so to speak. And so he's talking about building a healthy structure and the healthy structure is our life. And our life is for us to live in and it's also for others to live with. And so he says, it's really important to choose good quality products when we build our life. And he starts with the foundation. He says, because of God's grace to me, Paul writes, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. This is from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10. I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it. So he planted this church and he built with the right things, the right materials. And now other people are building it, building on it. He says, but whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful. 
for no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, which is Jesus Christ. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, uh, wood, hay, or straw. There are some reliable, precious materials, and then there are some combustible ones. He says, but on the judgment day, when all of us will be evaluated, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. Don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the spirit of God lives in you? He says, God will destroy anyone who destroys this temple for God's temple is holy and you are that temple. So Paul gives a cautionary um, word here for the first century Christians. Be careful what foundation you build on and use reliable, precious materials, time-tested, ancient materials um, that you can build a beautiful, healthy structure for your life to be supported by. And then he also says, and by the way, make sure that you don't, again, going back to false prophets and false teachers, be careful that you don't destroy the temple of God, which is the church, the body of Christ. And so we ought to always use our words to nourish and we ought to always use our actions to build up and strengthen. And uh, so I've got some safeguard considerations for us to keep us from the wolves that may come because the wolves are real. And uh, Paul, before he left the Ephesian elders, he um, prayed with them and he gave them a cautionary word. In Acts chapter 20, uh, verses 29 to 31, listen to this. It's like a father's heart. Paul had a father for the, a father's heart for the people he was serving and caring for. He says, I know that after I leave, and there's a time for every leader to leave. He says, I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. This is kind of getting at the caution from Jesus why there would be false prophets and false teachers. Often it can be to draw followers for themselves. And he says, so be on your guard. So really quickly, and then we're gonna wrap up. I'm gonna pray for you and invite the host pastors to come back. Three things to be consider, to consider when uh, being on guard uh, against potentially people who are inviting you away from the narrow way, whether that be intentional or unintentional. Um, do they share personal experiences about their adventures with God and divorce them from the foundation of scripture? If they do, if they elevate their personal experiences and they minimize and reduce scripture, be very, very careful because scripture needs to be in many ways um, a very highly regarded authority in our life. So a personal experience in scripture, be aware of that. Secondly, listen for how they talk about those in authority. If they are quick to run down those in authority or criticize an office of authority, be very careful about that too, especially if they themselves hold an office of authority. For someone to function responsibly with authority, they need to come under authority. Uh, that's a very important principle in the New Testament, and it's a, a signal of health in a person's life. And then thirdly, consider um, their values and the trajectory of the outcome of their life. Um, where is their life headed? Um, what values do they hold? Be aware of those things because um, are they narrow way values or are they broad way values? One leads to life, the other leads to destruction. So I wanna pray for you and then our host pastors are gonna come back. Father, thank you again that we are creatures of influence 
um, and we can be easily influenced. Help us, Lord, to be discerning these days. There's a lot going on in our world. I pray, God, that you would help us to be deeply committed, as we heard last week from Pastor Kristen, that we would stay rooted uh, in Christ and to make progress along the narrow way, Lord. Help us not to be enticed off of that time-tested pathway. And uh, Lord, for the one who's listening or watching today for the first time, who maybe is struggling with a host of dynamics that are maybe known to others or maybe unknown to others, I pray, Lord, for your grace to come to them in its various forms. And may they find that the strength of Christ is enough to hold them during times of weakness. And may they find, Lord, the reliability of Jesus and his word to be enough for them during times when it feels like the ground is shifting all around us. So may you bless each one, Lord, with your peace and grace today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.